Actually, Christians, we are called soldiers. And every believer in the kingdom is given and is provided, is made available of the weapon that we should have and should fight against the enemy. And actually, we are always living in the wartime, constant uh, war that is waging against us by our enemy. Whether we realize it or not, we are in constant spiritual war. That is the last part of the book of Ephesians. We have been through the last few months uh, uh, and, and today is the last one. Chapter 6, uh, verses 10 all the way to 24. And uh, verse 10 starts, we are going to read uh, soon. Verse 10 with be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. The book starts with Praise be to God for all his blessings in Christ Jesus our Lord in the heavenly realms. But it ends with be strong in the Lord in his mighty power. The book starts with chapter 1 mentioning about all the spiritual blessings we have in God that is given to us as believers. And throughout the book, we are given new identity, chapter 1, 2. We are given a new community in Christ Jesus we are given new relationship with, between husband and wives, parents and children, between employees and employer in the new community. And now we are talking about a new engagement with the spiritual power. And you have to be strong. It is Christian's life, it's like in the book of Ephesians, it's like a tension between what God has done for us and what we have to do for ourselves. What Christ has finished on the cross. And what we as believers have responsibilities to do for our spiritual growth and facing the enemies. Some people will emphasize one over the other. That Christ has done everything for me. I can be passive, not doing anything. But Paul says that uh, finally, before I close this book, I want to remind you. One more thing. This is last but not least. We are in the war and you have to be prepared for that. Let me read from uh, uh, Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 24. Uh, it is on the screen. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with the feet fitted, with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, 
which, which, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak words may be given to, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chain. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant of the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how am I, how I am and what I'm doing. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are, that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters, and love with faith from God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. God, grace to all of, to who love, all who love the Lord, Jesus Christ, with an undying love. Let's pray. Father God, we are always grateful for the word of God, which is active and powerful. Uh, we pray that as we read and listen, uh, Holy Spirit will enlighten our minds to understand it and help us to put into practice in our daily lives. Our health so we can focus and, uh, and listen attentively to your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. <clears throat> I would like to start uh, three things, to share three things today about the engaging in the spiritual warfare. warfare. The text talks about knowing the enemy, fighting the warfare, and staying alert in the time of war. Let's start with the, with, the, with the first one. In the wartime, in the warfare, we need to know the enemy. But before we, we learn further, uh, there are cautions. It is good to know the enemy, but do not occupy yourself with the enemy. Sometimes you can spend lots of time studying the enemy. Your mind, your life is be occupied with your enemy. Then that is actually for the devils. This is the, that is what they want, that your life is occupied by them. Uh, it is good to know, but we will focus more on the works of Christ the weapons armors they given to us rather than occupy ourselves with the devils and everything. Some people spend lots of parts of their lives to start uh, the Satan, their strategies every day, and then they don't have time to learn about Christ. I was, uh, when I was in college, I had a, a teacher who tells about uh, occultism, about the, all the evils and, and uh, powers and Satan's. Uh, she was too much into it. I think every day her mind was occupied by that. And sometimes we had class after lunch. Uh, it was very challenging because if you had rice, a lot of rice uh, for lunch, 
lots of vegetables and hot in the class. It was very challenging. Sometimes we fell asleep because of lots of sugar in our body. And then she will just cast out all the demons of sleepy. Uh, I said, you are sleepy. It is. It might be, but I thought it was because too much food. Uh, and later on, I heard that she was kind of hip hypnotized. And then all her money was taken from the bank. And then uh, distressed, uh, she died. And I've, I've seen many people whose life is occupied by studying the strategies of the evil one. Uh, it is not what we meant here. We, uh, we just learn what the scripture says, and the rest we will talk about how we can fight against it. A few things Paul says about the enemy uh, in verses 10 to 12, when Paul says, our struggle is not against flesh and uh, uh, blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of the evil one. Number one, we know about this is the enemies are spirits. It's a spiritual one. Because these are, if you read the Bible, these are the fallen angels. Uh, 2 Peter 2, 4 says about the numbers of angels that have rebels against God and then they were kicked down from heaven to hell and they become the evil spirits, demonic powers. And the supreme one of these angels is later called Satan. Satan means adversary. And in the New Testament it's called devil. Devil means the accuser. It's just the same. He's like the boss. And then he has minions, he has followers, all other angels that submit to him that become the, the demonic powers that work. So these are spiritual ones. And Islam, they teach that the, the jinns, there are good jinns, bad jinns. In Christianity, every sp evil spirit is evil spirit. And the jinns can get married and multiply. Uh, but I don't think there is a Bible teaching saying that the spirit can multiply. So it is good news. The numbers of angels that fell down still remain the same. They're not getting married and multiply. Uh, but their strategies are made known in the, uh, in the Bible. Uh, the spiritual engagement was not unknown to the church in Ephesus. In Acts chapter seven, uh, 19, we read probably is the only place where Luke recorded lots of spiritual uh, experience or engagements of Paul with the people in Ephesus because they have this shrine, uh, temple worship. Uh, there, uh, there was uh, sorcery. Uh, when people came to the Lord, they brought all those uh, uh, mantras and bend down that caused like 50,000 dramas. And there were sons of skivas. They did know the Lord that when they saw Paul driving out demons, they would like to do the same without knowing Jesus. And they were harassed. Uh, and so, and the, the business in the temple, uh, shrine of Artemis, was collapsing. There was the cause of the riots. Uh, we read there. Because when people believe they don't go any longer to the temple to worship, so all the business of selling handicrafts and the mantras died, and, and that causes this uh, problem. Now, other... When we mention about uh, rulers, spiritual forces, 
authorities, all these like the army divisions, like you have infantry, you have air force, you have navy. I don't think the Bible clearly talks about that. It probably talks about different aspects of the worlds of demonic uh, 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 powers uh, in the heavenly realms. But we are reminded here that our enemies are not human. The enemies are spirits. In the Indonesian context, we can say that our enemies are not people who are, have different faiths than us. Our enemies are not Muslims, are not Buddhists, or Hindus, or atheists, probably those who hold different uh, beliefs. These men are not our enemies, but what they believe, uh, the teachings they have can be contrary uh, to uh, Christian ones. And I do believe that there is a spirit very strongly present uh, in this country because of the certain faith. And from all the works of missionaries among all kinds of works, probably the least fruitful so far is among a majority religion in the country. There is a strong uh, a spirit, not the people, a spirit that blinded the people and made it very difficult for them to believe in, in the gospel. But once again, this is not human. Uh, uh, and because their spirit, they're invisible. It is an invisible war that is going on with us. And can you imagine the enemies attack us from an invisible place. You cannot see them with your eyes, and they attack you. Uh, well, this is what happens in the spiritual realms. And the Bible says they have power, the power of spiritual forces. Uh, uh, the Greek says that there is a cosmokratos, just like that, the, the power of this cosmos, demonic. Uh, or, or cosmic, cosmic powers. And uh, Jesus mentioned, and Paul mentioned, that the devil, the Satan, is the ruler or the prince of this world. Uh, some people will say the world, but others say this world. That means it is not the whole world, but the certain part of this world. That is the part of the unbelievers world, those who haven't come to the Lord, the part of the kingdom of darkness where they are ruling, uh, ruling there. Um, uh, for us who have belief, we have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We are not any longer un under the rules, but they can cause serious harm to us if we are not well protected, well uh, defended. And uh, they have been defeated, actually. Colossians 2.15 says, through the death and resurrection of Jesus, he has stripped all the powers of the rulers and authority and displayed them, triumph over them. The pictures of Colossians 2.15 speaks about the Romans uh, army taking their captives after the war into the city and displays that, being shamed to them, to the citizens of, of Rome. And Jesus has done that through his death and resurrections. So it's a good news for us when we learn this enemy, they have been defeated. They have been stripped of their power. 
But while they are still around, like 1 Peter says, our enemy prowls around like a roaring lion trying to find someone to devour. Uh, well, it is, they, they were com- not completely eradicated. They still go around to deceive and to create fear in the lives of us. And then through fear, we can do things that is harmful and destructive uh, to us. So in a sense, this roaring lion that Peter mentioned is a lion without teeth. It's a toothless, toothless lion. Only the sound sounds scary to us. But we know that this lion has no, uh, has no power. Later on, we'll, we'll learn that uh, there is one only powerful weapon they still have to bring destruction into our lives. Also, the Bible says that they are evil. It's wicked. The spiritual power of evil one. So the evil, they do, their whole mission is to destroy us. John 10, 10 says the thief comes to kill, to, uh, to steal, to kill, and to destroy us. The whole mission of the evil is how to destroy our lives. Even as believers, if we are not well defended, we probably are not going to enjoy the spiritual growth as meant or uh, to live a Christian's life the way God uh, means to us. And they are they're also cunning, deception. They are operating from the heavenly realms. It is interesting because the word heavenly realms is used also in chapter 1, chapter 2. That speaks about the spiritual blessings. Chapter 1, 3 says that all the spiritual blessings in Christ in the heavenly realms. Chapter 2, when we are saved, we are called to rule with Christ in the heavenly realms. So the blessings from God comes and provided, made available to us in the heavenly realms, the devil also has headquartered there. There's the headquarter in the heavenly realms. That speaks about the, there is a spiritual warfare uh, uh, going on. The spiritual world is as real as the physical world. It's as real there. As we read the Bible. And even the Bible says that what, is, what we see manifested in the physical world, it first comes from the spiritual world. Even in the daily examples, for architect, before you build a house, the first the ideas is in your mind. It is invisible. It is abstract. But then you put into a building and it becomes visible. Uh, it all starts from there. It is invisible. It is spiritual warfare that is truly are going on. And it says there that we are to put the full armor of God so that we can stand our, take our stand against the devil's scheme. This is the weapon that is used by the devil. Uh, the power has been stripped, but I will say that the only most powerful weapon used by the devil one is the power to deceive. John 8 says that he was the murderer from the beginning, but how can he murder us? First, he will 
deceive us, uh, 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 deceive us first. And um, Revelations chapter 12, verse 9 says, Satan is called the deceiver of the whole world. John 8 says, the devil is the murderer from the beginning and he is the father of all lies. When he speaks lies, he speaks his own native language. So it's lies. Deception is his weapon. Um, and we will learn about that because this is truly happening in the book of Ephesians. At least you know, two, uh, Ephesians, I read to two deceptions there. That is uh, worn by us in chapter 4. Uh, talks about the uh, craftiness, cunning of the false teaching. And it talks about deception of people who think that they are true believers, but they are not. So the devil will deceive you. Oh, yeah, you are fine. You, uh, you don't have to really serious with your faith. You are true believers. Uh, is in actual fact, you are not. But the other deception is people who are truly believers, but they're being deceived to think that they are not. And that way they have, they cannot enjoy the spiritual blessings that is provided by God to us. Now it is up to us, the wisdom, to think about, am I a true believer or not? Am I deceiving myself? Or am I being accused that I'm not that good enough? Uh, we go back to Genesis chapter 3. The weapon that was used by the serpent was to deceive Adam and Eve. Eventually, Adam and Eve were the one who picked up the fruit and eat. They committed sin, but first they were deceived. So this is the way how does the, devil, the devil does. They come to us, plant deceptions. We begin to believe the lies. Like, can you imagine Adam and Eve? They have nothing uh, shortage. They didn't know about, they didn't have in-laws, this is a perfect life, uh, husband and wife, everything was provided. Uh, so when the devil asks, what do you lack? They have lacked nothing. Everything was given. Uh, yet he was successful in deceiving them to rebel against God. And the deception was, is there anything more? Is there anything more that you don't have? Begin to plant in their minds that actually God is hiding something. God is holding something for us. And then they commit themselves and that's how they kill their lives. I remember one of the scenes in uh, Sherlock Holmes, these are old ones, uh, during pandemic, we sometimes were the sort of Sherlock Holmes there. And in one of the, uh, the stories, there was a guy, a driver, who, dis, uh, who made lots of people killing themselves by taking these people to a certain room and he plays on their minds, asking them questions, and to the point where they will take the weapons, or he brought the pistol with him, and they will take the weapons and kill themselves. And then he will find another target, another target. 
I thought this is how the devil kills us. He deceives us, and then we believe these lies, and then we do things against God, and that is uh, destructive uh, 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 for us. And where is the deception takes place? It is between two of our ears. It's on our mind. The battle is in the mind. It is what Paul says in Second Corinthians chapter 10, 4 to, 4 to uh, 10. It is here. The plant lies here. Deception here. We receive all, we open our minds, we like to open our minds to receive all these deceptions. And then slowly we uh, follow that. You can see that uh, some of the strongholds that mentioned in Second Corinthians 10 in our minds. Uh, uh, you can see on the screen. Uh, yeah, that can be a, a, a worldview, certain worldviews. Atheism, secularism, materialisms, that is that only things that we can touch and we can see, we can feel exist. Because spirits we don't see, they do not exist. Probably one of the best deception is to convince us that they do not exist. So you don't have to take account of them. Uh, uh, mental block, certain lies that people believe about themselves to such a way that they think they cannot, they cannot come out of, they cannot be set free. Addiction, certain ways of life, uh, that happens. Uh, false teachings, we find that in Ephesians chapter 4. The craftiness, the cunningness of the false teachings can be used by the devil into our minds then to destroy our, our lives. Uh, so actually the devil is not always what we see in the movies where we had horns, ten horns, three horns, scary looking face. It can be nice people, work to the nice people, philosophies that it can begin to entertain our mind with and slowly is coming into us, eating us and killing us. So uh, that will help us to uh, understand better when we talk about the full armor of God. Now, now how to, do we fight against this enemy? Paul talks two things. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Stand firm so you can take your ground. So a few times Paul talks about that from verse 10, 11, 13. Stand firm. Do not run away. Stand firm, not in your own strength, not in your own wisdom, your own abilities, but in the power, in the strength of God. That's like we fight in the robot. We go inside the robot. It's well protected. And uh, if you come out of that, you will be in a very vulnerable uh, situations. James says, submit to the Lord and resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now, when we talk about temptations, Paul says, flee from temptations. Don't think that you can fight against temptations. Just flee. Uh, but when you are faced with the devil, stand firm, resist it, and he will flee from you. But how can you do that? The second one, 
is to put on the full armor of God. Now, uh, in the morning, uh, Sanjay reminded me, maybe one of the best ways to remember this is every day you wake up and you go to work, when you put on your, when you comb your hair, you think helmet of salvation. You put on your uh, clothes, you can think about breastplate of righteousness. And when you put your shoes, you can see there's a fit fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You can find ways to remind yourself every day on how you engage with the world. Few things that Paul mentions about this, this armor. Uh, even two times, Paul says, put on the full armor of God. Put on the full armor of God. Next slide, you will see few things about this before we go on uh, some details. This armor belongs to God. The armor of God. The armor that God has, some will say, the armor that God himself put on him, and he supplies to us. It is not our armor. It is not our strength. We have to receive what he provides and uh, gives to us. And interestingly, if you compare this to the Old Testament, it is not only for Roman uh, soldiers, but actually it's, it's taken from the Old Testament as well. Uh, Isaiah 11 and 59. This is talk about the armor of Messiah, armors of Christ. Christ himself wore this belt of truth and breastplate of righteousness. In a sense, he comes and he says, I will I give you this armory. Please take and put on yourselves. Um, uh, second, uh, this armor has been given to believers. If you read from chapter one, we study from chapter one until now, talk about uh, truth, righteousness, gospel, uh, salvations, uh, faith, uh, what else? Word of God. Actually, they are made available. It's given to those who truly believe, uh, given already inside of us as true believers. So when he says put on, doesn't really mean that you don't have that and you have to find somewhere. Uh, it's, it's trying to say that be aware, knowing what God has given to you, taking it, using it in your spiritual warfare. The salvation that you already have, the truth that is given to you, righteousness, We'll, we'll uh, learn soon. So it's given to us already. And the next one is, uh, uh, you can see there are two types here, one with and one is take. With the, uh, what's that, belt, with the breastplate, with the feet fitted, and then next he says take. Take the shield of faith. Take the helmet of salvation. Take this word of the Spirit. And these armors cover your front side. You can see in the picture. Front side. So if you turn back, your 
back part will be exposed to the enemy. That says something that you have to fight forward. You are not to turn back. Move forward. It covers your front side. Fair you are. It's a fully, fully uh, cover unless you are deceived to not it, uh, use it uh, well. And lots of these things mentioned are actually connected to one another. It's like a web. You have one, you have another, and it is, it is well connected. Sometimes it's like an offer, uh, overlap with others as uh, we will see. So l- now let's go and quickly see this. Uh, number one, Paul says, with put the whole armor of God. So, uh, 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 with the belt of truth. What are the truth here? Two things. It is an objective truth. Truth from the word of God. Truth that revealed in the gospel. It is told in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 3, 4, uh, talks a lot about the truth. Truth is the powerful weapon against deceptions, against lies. Jesus says that you will know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If people believe in lies and deceptions, they just need to know the truth. The truth itself doesn't make you free. The truth that you know that will make you free. There was a story. Uh, this is a mission uh, from the mission field. That there was a missionary went to a village where there were the, uh, the death rate of children were quite high. And he discovered that they didn't have toilets. So they just went to the backyard and do their business and because of that, all the diseases come. But these people believe that this is because that there is a spirit of death. I was trying to explain to them, how can I do that? So, uh, so uh, one day he gathered all the people and he said, I have discovered where the spirit comes from. The spirit that kills our children comes from all the things that we throw at the back. And if we dig hole and you put inside the hole, the spirit is not going to be able to uh, kill our children. They all believe that. So they begin to dig hole and have types of uh, toilets they didn't have. And then suddenly the death rate uh, goes down significantly. They say, yeah, that's true. This is, this is the, the... Now, all truth is God's truth. And even all the lies that people believe in the communities that can kill them need to be exposed with the truth. But truth is uh, not only objective truth, but also the truthful life. Truth that displays in our real life, because deceitful life is very dangerous. It's very vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. It's like living in the darkness, and it's the spirit of darkness. If you live in darkness, you can be an easy target. If you live in a deceitful life, you can be an easy target. I remember the scene from the Zimba uh, movie where the father says to the prince, all this area is safe for you, 
but that don't go to that certain valley. Uh, you'll be exposed to the enemy. The prince, out of curiosity, went there, and she was nearly, he was nearly killed. So, having the truth, living out the uh, truthful life in our daily life. Second one is a breastplate of righteousness in place. For the Roman soldiers, their breastplate was a piece of armor to cover the chest to protect from blows and, and arrows. What are the breastplates of righteousness? Number one is our right standing with God. And this is a powerful weapon against the accusations of the evil one. The word devil means accuser. His job is always to accuse you. Accuse you of your right standing with God. Accuse you that you are not a child of God, even if you are truly one. Accuse you of your identity. We are called human being, not human doing. And oftentimes, that attack is the attack on your identity. And it has been covered in chapter one. We are in Christ. And we, are, we have right standing uh, 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 with God. And when I'm attacked with this, when the, these thoughts come into my mind, I often uh, uh, use Second Corinthians 5.21. In him, God made uh, him who had not sin to be sin for us. Talks about Christ. So that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. We have been made righteous. Christ is our righteousness. Uh, Tells in chapter 4, verse 24 also, a book of Ephesians. Uh, we are covered with the clothes of the righteousness of God as true believer and that protects us against the accusations of the evil one. Temptations always make us think better than ourselves overestimate us, but accusations will always tempt us to see ourselves less than we are supposed to be in uh, uh, Christ Jesus. Practical example, you can use this, is uh, self-talk, self-confessions. When you are attacked in your mind by the, all the deceptions, you can begin to say the word of God, like, I'm a child of God. No more fear. I am adopted into the family of God. Christ is my righteousness. Christ is my defender. As you say those words, hopefully that will enforce your true identity in Christ and that will repel the attack of the devil. Second part of the breastplate of righteousness is living a righteous life. It's similar to the first one. Righteous life. Not also righteous righteous sending, righteous life. Uh, in chapter 4, Paul reminds the people there that uh, if you are involved in sin, you give the Satan foothold. It's like you 
It is a crack through which they can come in and destroy you. So, once again, very close relationship with our understanding and our daily life. Third piece of armor is the, the fit fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of, of peace. This uh, armor is called caliga uh, in the Roman uh, soldiers' word, the half foot. And uh, it's not really a weapon, but they, it's equipment they, they use when they uh, march for long uh, distance. And that covers their feet uh, as well. And Paul uses this to talk about the readiness that comes from the, uh, uh, the preaching of the gospel of peace. In the, in the olden days, you have Herod. Herod is the one who will come back from the war zone to announce to the people in the city, we won the war. Everyone was expecting the coming of this. And uh, in the Old Testament, it says, blessed are the feet of those who bring the good news. And the gospel of peace also talks in Isaiah 57 about the peace gospel that brings those who are far away and those who are near. And that's already covered in chapter 2 of Ephesians. Christ, through his death on the cross, has brought the Jewish and Gentiles together in one community. The far and those who are close. So, the gospel of peace, for me, also talks about the unity. The gospel that brings unity to the body. Divisions can be used by the evil ones to bring destructions. But unity is a powerful weapon. He always says, united we stand. Divided we'll fall apart. So unity is very, very important. And we can relate this to the importance of living in the community. Having the people of God around you. Don't live by yourselves. Because when we are by yourself, out of the pack of the walls, you are very vulnerable for the attack. But if you are together in the communities, community groups, prayer groups, your families, then you are also protected. God has given us a new community to protect us from the evil one. And in chapter 4, we have heard how to maintain community is through the speaking the truth in love. Of course, when we say in a community, not everyone will live the way we want to. And when we disagree, we are called to speak the truth in love. Truth exposed lies and unity that is based on the truth is the unity that lasts. Now, the second uh, uh, group and the fourth piece of the armor is now you take field of, the shield of faith with which you can quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. This is a large shield that covers all of your body, not only small part, but it is the whole body, whole person is covered with this, this shield. In the Old Testament, we hear the Bible says, God is our shield, God is our, our protections. Uh, 
of faith is the theme covered a lot in the book of uh, Ephesians. And uh, it, is, it is trusting in the Lord and in the spiritual resources he provides for us. Flaming arrows of the evil one. Uh, you know, flaming arrows is the arrows in the world that were dipped first in the pitch and lit before it is being fired. It can cause wounds, serious wounds, and also chaos if your headquarters or your place is hit by the flaming arrows, it can cause convictions and arrows and, and, and chaos, unless when the shield uh, is soaked with water. What is the flaming arrows of the evil ones? It is every kind of attacks, lies, temptations, doubts, despair, sometimes persecutions, false teachings, that we see a lot in the book. And uh, anxieties that make us doubt the goodness, the power, even the existence of God. We remember the parable told by Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, 13, uh, the, the parable of, of soil. There is one type of soil where the word the seed cannot grow. It is because of the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. Choke it. Worries, anxieties, doubts are the parts of the deception used by the devil to destroy our lives. If we go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, the first sentence said by the serpent, did God really say? Did God really say? He was trying to plant doubt in the hearts and minds of Eve and Adam. And throughout history, the same thing has been used. Did God really say? Did God really say about biblical love? Did God really say about marriage? Did God really say about, about divorce, about redemption, about Christ? Did God really say that? Now we are living in an interesting time where everything we have been standing for for decades, century, are being questioned. The institutions of marriage, genders, and lots of other things. Did God really say? And we begin to have this doubt. And when you doubt God, you don't doubt, you doubt his words. And when you doubt his words, there is no point of obeying him. Why do I have to obey God if I don't believe what he says? And obedience comes after that. If took the fruit, because he, be, he begins to doubt it. Faith in God is faith in his goodness, in his words, in his character that is reliable, he's trustworthy, his words are yes and amen, and regardless of all the changes that we have uh, 
uh, right now. Okay, we always live through different challenges, but the Word of God remains the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Don't doubt God in the hard situations because He's remaining faithful. This is the weapon used by, this is the one of the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, that is the next piece. Helmet is used by the Roman soldiers. Uh, that was used was made by bronze and had cheeky pieces so as to give protections to the head. Salvations. This is probably very broad and covered lots of aspects of salvations. Chapter 2 says, We all have been saved by grace through faith. And once we are saved, we are transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son. Now we are in a safe place. We are under the authority and ruler of Jesus Christ, our king. Now the enemy will continue to try to do harm to us, but at least now we are in his side. You are saved. Um, Paul says in Romans, nothing can separate us from the love of God, from his faithfulness. Nothing. Nakedness, persecutions, uh, hunger. No, because now we are under his protections. And when we talk about salvations, we are reminded that we have been forgiven of our sins. No more shame, no more guilt, no more fear. Uh, we have been adopted into the family of God. We are children of God right now. God is our Father. We are given new identity. We are defended. We have been made righteous. And these are part of the salvations. Uh, practical things we can do to use this helmet is when we are attacked, always look at the cross. What Christ has done for you. He has paid it all. He has finished the work of salvation for you. Now, remind myself that I've been saved. I've been transferred into his hands. I am his child. Continue to remind yourself on this truth. Uh, will help you stand against the accusations, the attack of the evil one. Take this word of the Spirit. Here's the last one, which is the word of God. The, the Spirit works always through the word of God. The word is the word of the, the Spirit. The word of God is the truth. And the truth, once again, is the antidote of lies and deception. So if we have the truth, use the truth, we can stand against all the lies. As I've mentioned before, you will know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth will expose uh, lies. The Word of God is living and active. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It's living and active. As we hear the word of God, as we read, we think about that, actually we allow this word to come in and to work inside of us, transforms us, 
changes us. Have you always, I believe you always see your picture from 10 years ago and now, and you see how much have changed. A child like this now changed. We don't see outwardly, but inside of us, whenever we eat fruit and vitamins and things, there is changes going on inside of our lives, our body, and suddenly we are different. The Word of God is like that. When we hear, it comes into our lives, it is active, it's working, it's transforming, it's changing our lives. It's helping us to fight against the evil one. When Jesus was tempted by Satan, Satan was using the words of God. But he missed, he twisted that. That's what the always does. Did God really say? He twisted that. And how Jesus responded to that? Always responded with the word of God. It is written. It is written. It is written. So when we have the word of God, we are able to stand against and fight against the attacks. Some practical things uh, I could suggest is uh, try to memorize some key verses of the Bible that you can use anytime, especially in the areas that you think you are weak. If you are struggling with fear, trying to uh, store a treasure, the word of God to speak against fear. If you are struggling with uh, worries and anxiety, try to treasure and memorize, uh, uh, memorize that. Like if you have worry, anxiety, you can say, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. You say this, that repels against is not a magic one. It is, it is helping you to uh, fight against worry and anxiety. Uh, I have a friend who is often having a panic attack and struggling with peace. And when he asked me to pray, I will just send him sometimes one verse from Isaiah 26 verse 3. Say, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds stayed on you because he trusts in you. God will keep us in perfect peace. But you have to allow this word to come into your mind. Uh, fear of Psalm 23 is what I often use. Even though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your staff, your rod, they are always with me. You say that, that words will comfort you through the valley of the shadow uh, of death. And many other things. There are books, uh, one book called Armed and dangerous, where they have all the Bible verses that can relate to different situations in our lives anger, fear, attack, and uh, can have that. The challenge with us now, we live in the technology where you can easily find all the Bibles at the, uh, your fingertip. You don't have to try to memorize. Then, oftentimes, we have conversations with people I know this verse, where is this? Somewhere uh, by Paul or Peter, and then. Uh, uh, okay, it's not possible to memorize the whole scripture, but once again, few verses that can relate to specific struggles or attack you often have in your lives. Last point is 
So first one, we are to know our enemies. Second one, we stand firm and put on the full armor of God. And that last one is we have to stay alert. Staying alert from verses 18 to uh, 28. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying. So Paul here uh, speaks about prayer and being alert. He's connected uh, uh, to uh, uh, both of them. Now, uh, prayer is not specifically one piece of the armor, uh, but it can be used to activate, uh, or the word you can use it, every piece of armor we can use. Okay? Now, watching and staying alert is very important when you are in the wartime, right? Uh, you can be fully equipped, but if you are not alert, the enemy can attack suddenly at any time and uh, it can uh, bring serious harm uh, to you. So be watching. And how can we stay alert? Through continuous prayer. And Paul talks about uh, prayer here in a fourfold uh, uh, manner. Uh, first, pray in the Spirit, means pray that is guided and led by the Spirit also can mean prayed according to the scripture because spirit was with the uh, scripture. Uh, some people struggle with uh, saying words during prayer. One of the ways you can say is you pray just quote the scripture. Pray for your friends quoting the scripture. So if my friend asks pray for peace for me, I will pray Philippians 4. I pray that the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and mind. You pray the scripture. You pray according to the Spirit or led by the Spirit. Sometimes the Spirit will prompt certain things into your hearts and minds uh, to pray. There was a, a father who in the middle of the night suddenly he woke up and he was moved to pray for his son. He just prayed. And then later on he found out that his son had a serious accident and, and he was spared uh, from that. Uh, it is very subjective experience but be sensitive to the Spirit, pray according to the Word of God, and uh, pray uh, on all occasions. Muslims, Islam teach us pray five times a day. We can pray anytime, anywhere, on all occasions. And one of the best times to pray is while you are driving. If you drive a lot with, uh, and uh, met with one of a friend from GICF yesterday, Say so he took three, four hours every day on the road. Uh, I thought it was the best time to pray. Uh, not distracted. You can pray for lots of things. Pray by doing gym, uh, walking, jogging. Pray in the airplane when you go on holiday. Uh, uh, in the places where you can be, you can pray anytime, all occasions. Pray. Uh, and pray with all kinds of prayers and requests. There is no restrictions to that. You can always come and pray and share whatever you want. Pray at all times, continuously, and pray for all the people, all the saints. And Paul says, pray also for me. So words may be given to me, so when I preach the gospel, I will do it fearlessly. Uh, uh, that is kind of applications of that. Because when you preach the gospel, you engage in spiritual warfare as well. Uh, it is 
It is where you go into new areas, new community, and only the word of God that they hear can set them free uh, from all the bondage they need to hear. And prayer will help Paul uh, to do uh, to do so. And then Paul ends with some personal stuff. He has very personal relationship with the church in Ephesus. He's in Tychicus there. He talks on the things that is very personal. And he ends the book there. We start all the way from all the blessings of the Lord. We end with being equipped to continue fight the battle from the winning side, from the higher ground, actually. Not with our own strength and power, but the weapons given and supplied to us by the power and strength of the Lord. Finish with two slides, uh, some questions for us to think. Uh, you can see. Uh, what armors are you putting on and using well? from all these six ones. Truth, righteousness, gospel of peace, uh, seal of faith, helmet of salvation, and uh, the last one is, uh, what's that? Yeah, I lost that. Uh, sword of the Spirit. Which one you are doing well with that? Which one uh, you need to to use more. Maybe some of us, sword of the spirit is something we need to develop more and use more. Uh, for others, maybe different areas, different armor. And the last question is, in what areas of your life probably are vulnerable to the attack? Maybe you are living a double life in a certain gay areas, in your works, in your business, maybe. That can be an easy target from the evil one. And we will practice prayer together as we close the sermon today. Paul says that we have to pray all the time for all the saints with all kinds of requests and prayers. There is light on the, on the, on the screen as the music team come. Uh, we hardly do a corporate prayer. Our church service done announcement and benedictions, and we off we go. Maybe we spend some time right now. You can pray by yourselves with your wives, your children, and maybe there is a specific needs you know for yourselves, for your family that you want to bring to the Lord, or maybe you want to pray for any believer. Uh, in your small group, in your community group, or somewhere else that you think you want to pray. Or maybe like we pray for Paul, Paul asked the prayer of the church. Maybe you want to pray for a certain missionary, a pastor, church planter that's in need. So take time, a few minutes, and then, uh, and then you can you can bow down and pray.
Father, thank you for reminding us to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Thank you for reminding us to put on the full armor of God. That we know we are well defended, well protected as believers. And yet we know that sometimes the devil can use deceptions and lies to attack us and to do harm to our spiritual life. And we pray that we will continue to stay alert by prayer as we engage into the into the realms of the spirit to get the strength and power and wisdom from you to live out our daily life as a Christians. Thank you, Lord. We pray for the body of Christ in many other places, in closed and persecuted places where they are suffering. Let's pray for faith and strength and endurance, perseverance for them as they go through these hard times. We pray for missionaries. We are all called to preach the gospel. We are all missionaries. Those who spend a specific time and efforts to be in new places, to bring the good news, to preach to the Muslims, atheists, animistic people, unbelievers. We just pray that words will be given to them, courage and wisdom to explain the word of God to people so they may know the truth and the truth shall make them free. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.